The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter, kind of a spiritual journeyman kind of guy and media producer. I run a web- website called youthrivehere.com. And I'm here with the famous Raymond Anderson, the senior minister for the Center for Spiritual Living in Greater Baltimore. What's the website for uh, CSL Greater Baltimore? CSLGreaterBaltimore.org. Well, that totally makes sense. <laughs> for sure. Easy, right. easy peasy. Easy peasy. Are you ready to go? Yes, sir. All right. Well, we always like to start the show with some musical inspirations, things that inspire us personally of all types. Um, I am going to, uh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to start off with this one. I think it's kind of appropriate to our conversation with Kevin Ross today. Okay. So here we go. You ready? Yes, sir.
So that was Joan Osborne, One of Us. What do you think about that, Raymond? I always love that song. Yeah, that, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm um, you know, it was also the theme song for a great show called uh, Joan of Arcadia. Did you ever watch that? No, I didn't know that was the theme song they used. Yeah, it's a it's a great show about uh, spirituality. It's it's very cool. Um, it's about a young girl, a teenager, uh, Am Amlin Tamlin. What's her name? <laughs> I forgot her name. Um, Tamlin is the last name, but she. Uh, it's about this teenager who um, basically starts getting signs and, and talking to God um, and her experiences in her teen life and, and with life in general. It's a great show. And I, I really like this song because it, um, I think it underscores the idea that God is one of us. We might say, you know, we're, we're all one and we're all part of God, but, um, you know, I, I think it really hits it, hits it home for me in terms of that that feeling that you know we're all god is us we're part of god you know right right now i think uh, amber tamblin amber tamblin thank you yeah thank goodness for the internet <laughs> amen now i know I, I think it actually offends some people i've talked to people who, who think because there's a line that you know he, what if he was a slob like one of us or whatever but yeah i think that's taken the you know, uh, personification of God a little too far, you know? Yeah, but there's also that side of, at least for us in New Thought, when if you're saying that God is us, like we're incarnating, it is incarnating itself as us, then that person who, quote unquote, is showing up as a slob, they're still God. Like God is everybody. You know, I, I guess you're probably right there. <laughs> so it's like I, the idea of namaste, that which is divine in me sees and recognizes the divine in you, even when you're showing up as the slob or the, the mean principle or whatever. It's all God and it's all good. Well, thank goodness I'm saved now. I'm a slob, so. <laughs> you no know such thing. <laughs> all right, you got a song for me? Yes, sir. You ready? I'm ready. And here we go. But there's a hope that's waiting for you. Cool. Who is that? So that's, 
Amasia Kara. And I may be mispronouncing her first name. Alicia Kara. Oh, interesting. I, I don't think I've heard of her before. Yeah, and, and the song is just a very, very emotional idea where, like, the beginning of the song talks about, and she doesn't directly say it, but there's this young girl who wants to be beautiful, and she believes she has to starve herself to be beautiful. And so the song is saying, no, you're beautiful just the way you are. Don't try to change and match what culture and society tell you you need to do. It's just, it's a very powerful song. Absolutely. Sounds good. Did I, did I date myself by, you know, saying I didn't know who she was? Is that like, I don't, mm -mm, I don't think so. Nope. Okay. All right. Nope. I have to edit that out, I guess. I don't know. Now you pop up and say something about, you remember the first time you saw Beethoven compose. <laughs> That's a different memory. <laughs> I won't talk about that. <laughs> well, that's you know, that's an excellent. What Amadeus, though? <laughs> Are you talking about the 1980s? Uh, Amadeus, Amadeus? I plead the fifth. <laughs> well, that's that's a great song. I'm gonna definitely pick that up and listen to that too. So um, I got a inspiration for our dueling inspirations today. As do I. All right. I'm, I don't know. I think I might win this one. Oh, no. <laughs> Roll the dice. Oh, no, no. Roll the spiritual dice. <laughs> so you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. You have to act as if it were possible to radically transform the world. And you have to do it all the time. Angela Davis. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Here's mine. Yes, sir. I refuse to accept the view that mankind is so tragically bound to the starless midnight of racism and war that the bright daybreak break of peace and brotherhood can never become a reality. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the finest, final word. Amen. Martin Luther King Jr. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yes, yes. I think um, I think that means uh, we're introducing stuff that's coming up today because we've got a a really interesting interview with Reverend Kevin Ross on important issues, um, <laughs> spirituality and and social justice, social action. Um, might be a little controversial, uh, but but I don't think it should be. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, and I think we want to address that with him uh, yeah. because I I don't know. I believe that there's interaction. And there's outer action, you know, whether you come from other perspectives that say, you know, the world out there isn't real, real, it's still something we experience. Correct. So, you know, anyway, we'll, we'll definitely get into that uh, with Reverend Kevin Ross. Amen. Ready for that. All right, Raymond, you ready to go to our interview today? Yes, I am. All right, let's strapped in. All right, let's dig in. Let's ride the roller coaster. Here we go. All right.
Now, we're thrilled to have Reverend Kevin Ross on the show today to talk about some important issues. For over 20 years, Kevin Cottrell Ross has been on a mission to inspire and empower everyday people to live extraordinary dreams, whether it's with his work as a life coach, radio show host, leadership consultant, author, or in his role as the senior minister and chief executive officer at Unity of Sacramento. Reverend Kev believes all people deserve to live lives of purpose, passion, peace, and prosperity. He's equally committed to creating a world that works for all. He shared the stage with luminaries ranging from His Holiness the Dalai Lama, President Nelson Mandela, Ella Gandhi, U.S. Congressman Amy Barra, and Dr. Marion Wright Edelman of the Children's Defense Fund. You recently had uh, Marion Williamson, who's a presidential candidate. You've been uh, work appearing with her as well at, at places, haven't you? Yes. Uh, he's respected for his role as a social justice activist. Reverend Kev is a three-time delegate to the Parliament of World Religions. He's also a member of the Executive Council of the Association for Global New Thought. Hey, Reverend Kev, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Jim, for having me. Absolutely. Such a, to, such a thrill to have you on. Pleasure to be here, sir. Now, I really appreciate your social activism uh, that's that's going on. I wondered if you... I know this is a big question, but can you talk a little bit about some of the work you've been doing lately? I think it's really important uh, for the audience to know about this. It, it comes out of um, my uh, desire to demonstrate this, this idea of unity and oneness and, and to see that played out in the world. I think when we're talking about um, universal brotherhood and love and all that it it should show up not just in the sunday pulpit experience but in the world and so some of the work that i've engaged in uh would be um being one of the frontline faith leaders in the the work and uh securing justice for unarmed african americans who've been being shot down um disproportionately by law enforcement officers um and so Recently, I was a part of the Stephon Clark Challenge in Sacramento, um, and very um, on Monday we will be with the governor, where we will sign, where well, he will sign legislation uh, that um, addresses the use of force policy um, for the state of California. Basic, basically, we will see uh, Assembly Bill 392, AB 392. Uh, signed into law, which changes the standard uh, for how law enforcement can engage with uh, the community uh, related to deadly force. So rather than it being about um, reasonable use of force, it is necessary use of force, which means that uh, officers are going to have to address their inner triggers before they pull the triggers. They're going to have to work more on the preservation of life. And that was one of the, the journeys. I've also been engaged in this um, uh, US-Mexico border crisis, uh, being a part of uh, a group of faith leaders and community activists who took a thousand people uh, to the Otamesa Detention Center to go and see about God's children who are being separated from their parents. Uh, we were there to be a moral witness and to say that um, in our names, you will not detain families. In our names, you will not separate uh, 
parents from their children in our names. And so we, we went to be a moral witness there. Um, I've also been engaged in uh, work related to the Muslim travel ban. Uh, um, essentially, it was a very uh, highly publicized case of a young Yemeni mother whose son was in the United States with his father. Um, she sent him to the United States to receive medical treatment uh, prior to the Muslim travel ban being enacted. Um, the young son comes to, he's, he's not even two years old yet, but he's in the United States with his father getting medical treatment and the Muslim travel ban occurs. And so this Yemeni mother was not allowed into the country to be with her son who happened to be at this point terminal, terminally ill. Uh, I, along with other faith leaders, took a, took a strong stand against the travel ban and uh, subsequently um, within a day, really, um, that, that a provision was made for the mother to come to the United States to be reunited with her son, Abdullah, to hold his hand as he uh, transitioned um, from this life. And so um, my engagement has, has ramped up significantly. And for me, from a unique perspective, it's living out our fifth principle. It's saying that it's not enough to say that, um, it's not enough to know the principles, we must demonstrate the principles that we say that we know. And so for me, this is, this is what love looks like in public. This is what um, a oneness looks like in public. Uh, and, and I can go on and on about, you know, other works uh, that I've been involved in, but that, that should give you some, a taste of it. So from your perspective, when you find many folks in New Thought, or if you find many folks in New Thought who challenge and say that we shouldn't be involved in politics, we shouldn't be involved in social justice and protesting, how do you address those concerns with folks? I believe that we have to be a totally integrated self and that this idea of our, that there are parts of me that I bring to my, um, my, my community and there are parts of me that I withhold from my community. There are parts of me that are, are fragmented and there are parts of me that are together. I think that that, that is troubling because if, if in the most polarized time in our nation, we who espouse a message of universal brotherhood and oneness, if we do not appear in times like these, then what was it all for? Um, I, I, I cite uh, the master teacher, Jesus, who said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God. And rendering unto Caesar speaks to my role and responsibility um, as a, my, my civic duties, my civic responsibility, my civic citizenship, in as much as I, I have a spiritual uh, responsibility, spiritual duty, spiritual um, self. So the bringing together of the spiritual and the civic self uh, 
is a part of, I, I think, a fully integrated personality. I think politics has uh, gotten such a, a bad rap in that it has only been looked at as a source of, of what divides us, you know. But I do think that when we're thinking about it from the perspective of elevating our values into the public square for the, the well-being of all, for the co-creation of a world that works for all, I think we have a moral responsibility uh, to be engaged in times like these when all of the values that we as uh, New Thought people uh, represent are under attack in every possible way, in, in very public ways. And, and, and so um, our failure to appear in some way or other um, inauthenticates us in, in terms of who we say we are. So by any chance, have you come across the Washington Post article that compared Marion Williamson Okay, so yeah. go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> you know, I, I, I had a lot of trouble with that article, you know, uh, in that this person who was writing was, probably doesn't have one friend in the New Thought Movement, you know. So you're, 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 you're doing a high school research paper with no real connection to community, no real connect. So it, it was that kind of strung together hypothesizing uh, without any real touching the territory. So I did, however, admire the fact that our movement is surfacing in a way that you're, 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 we're quoting, she's quoting P.P. Quimby, going as far back as that. And that's unprecedented for us. And I think that it's a perfect opportunity for people like you and me to appear and give some correction, uh, uh, articulate, you know, do an op-ed and respond to her uh, to be able to, leverage the fact that we are gaining national attention in a time where there's so much, uh, um, there's, so, there's actually such a thirst and a desire for something more, more sobering, something more unifying. Um, and, and, and so we're, we're coming up. It's just, you know, mm -hmm. who's talking it up? Who, who's reporting? But I did see that Post article. Now you're referring to the article in the Washington Post that was uh, talking about Marianne Williamson and Donald Trump and kind Correct. of similar or or comparative philosophies and you know yes. that, def that definitely was. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a stretch. You know, for her. Definitely. Yeah, it was definitely a stretch. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> you know, and 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 whether he went to church. Uh, under Norman Vincent Peale's leadership or not, he did not embody 1% of, of the teaching, apparently, apparently. Um, whereas Marion Williamson has, has lived a life in, in uh, service to, pursuit of, and the, the 
delivery of the, these ideas. And now she's mounted the courage to, to stand as a candidate for president. So there, there, I don't see any comparison there, really. Let me, false quick, yeah, let me ask you a quick question about that. Um, what is the importance of Marianne Williamson in this presidential candidate? I, I won't ask you, you know, voting wise or whatever, um, but what is the significance of that? And, and what has your, been your experience with her? Uh, well, I have been saying for years that within our movement, our voices should be a part of the public debate as it relates to values. And um, because I believe we have something to say that is congruent with the, at least the founder, founding fathers ideals of this nation, right? I think our, 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 our philosophy and our teachings square perfectly with, with the ideals, and I stress ideals, right? So when I discovered that Marianne Williamson was running for president, I had to put my money where my mouth is. And, and so I teamed up with Women for Equality, another organization, along with um, Unity of Sacramento, in hosting a town hall with her to use our platform to give voice to the ideas that she's representing right now, which then triggered a series of such town hall events across the country, which was a, a catapult for her to really take herself seriously, um, more seriously as a candidate. I think she was very discouraged by the time she got to Unity Sacramento and then when she saw, this is me talking, she saw the, the tremendous turnout and the, how people received what she had to say, um, she was encouraged. So what I think Marianne is important in this uh, presidential election because of the, the ideas that she's setting forth. She's contrasting with this, this idea of hate as a political motus operandi. She's, she's challenging that. She's talking real talk and <coughs> excuse me <coughs> in a very in a very direct and real way she's talking about the soul of America and the things that our country must reckon with as a collective consciousness if we want to evolve to uh, a more perfect union so a lot of the ideas she's talking about uh, are are new and what she does do is elevate the level of discussion when others are engaging her, other politicians, if they're going to debate with her, they have to debate with her at the level at which she is coming. And so what I've seen is the ideas she's putting forth are, are, are being considered perhaps for the first time um, in our national discussion, in our national debate. And love as a political force, I think is perhaps the most important um, message she's bringing. We'll be right back with Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. 
Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. Okay, welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'm here with Raymond Anderson. And now it's time for Raymond's Corner. Here we are in this whole thing, you know, new thought. Whether it's unity, whether it's divine science, whether it's religious science, and we go about our our regularly our regularly scheduled programming, you know, attending service on Sunday and doing whatever it is we do. But a lot of us seem to not really want to engage the world. We like the idea of being the best kept secret. You know, we put it on brochures and websites. But when do we come out of the spiritual closet? Like, when do we come out and, and demonstrate that we understand that our spiritual practices are relevant to the world? When do we say, this is no longer philosophy for old white women and old white men, but it's a philosophy for everyone, every shade, every color, every ethnicity, every spiritual background. Like this philosophy, this spiritual practice, this practical way of addressing what we call the Christ consciousness applies to everyone. Whether that's a mother who has a teenage son who's addicted to opioids, whether that's someone who walks the streets of DC and sees X amount of homeless people laying on the street and he wants to find a way to help them or you know ease their pain or what like it doesn't matter what the quote unquote life situation is. This philosophy is applicable because we understand that God is all there is. And if God is all there is, then every man, woman, and child who is experiencing discomfort, pain, whatever it is, it's God. And so we understand that as people recognize their own divinity and as we engage that divinity, conditions change, effects change, quality of life changes, but we have to engage it. So how do we step outside of our comfort zone and say, there are things happening in the world and our current political system, our current predominant Christian brother and sisterhood, that like they're not addressing everything. Maybe this is a piece of the puzzle for us to address. So how do we step out and create food banks or volunteer? You know, one of the things in Centers for Spiritual Living is the World Day of Service. It's how do you get out in the world and serve the, the greater community? You know, can we pack bags for kids going back to school? Can we provide lunches and things for people who are homeless? Like, what can we do? Especially when it comes down to having those difficult conversations with family members or community members about things like racism, about white supremacy, about sexism, homophobia, Islamophobia, xenophobia, et cetera, et cetera. Because if we're not addressing it with what we know is truth, if we're not addressing it with what we know is love and not that syrupy love of, I just love everybody so much, but the love that says, I love you enough to tell you no, and I love you enough to see beyond the hood that you're wearing. I love you enough to see you beyond 
the crack pipe that you're putting in your mouth. I love you beyond that. Like that kind of tough love is what's going to change the world. It's what's going to demonstrate a world that works for everybody. But each of us has to ask the question of ourselves, how do I stand in my authentic, transparent, audacious self, recognizing my own divinity, addressing those places where I feel afraid or insecure or inadequate, and then really diving deep into it to heal it and align with truth. Once we do that, once we've aligned, once we, once we, and it's a, it's an ever going process. So it's like, once you heal from it, it still may show up. You know, it's like the, the, the seven headed hydra, you cut one head off and two might show up. However, it's the process of doing what you are called to do, doing what is yours to do, to change and transform yourself, which changes and transforms your house and your neighborhood and your city and your state, and then ultimately the world and other dimensions, possibly. But it all starts with each of us looking within and saying, what am I being called to do that might not be comfortable? Because there's a difference between having a spiritual practice and going to church on Sunday to feel good and going to church on Sunday to do good. So the question is, is, is feeling good enough? Or do I want to feel good because I'm doing good? And now back to our interview with Kevin Ross, Senior Minister at Unity of Sacramento. So I know that uh, I know what college you went to. So I know that you were a socially conscious person long before you became a minister. Mm-hmm. Well, question is for any ministers or congregants who aren't sure how to integrate this social activism with their spirituality because they see them as two separate things. What is your invitation or advice to them? Um, start at the kitchen table with, with just courageous conversations. Just have some courageous conversations. The, the withholds that we normally have, try them out with, with a relative, with, with, a friend who may not agree with you and just, just start engaging in courageous conversation about some of your views uh, from the perspective of one, one seeking to engage maybe a percentile more. In a more sophisticated way, what we're doing is uh, Dr. David Alexander and I, uh, along with the Association for Global New Thought, we're in the planning stages of, of doing what we call Camp Courage. We're gonna invite 75 leaders from across the country to come be with us so that we will teach them exactly how to do this. How do I do this and, and, and not lose my 501c3? How do I, how do, I do this and not have half of my congregation walk out. How do I do, you know, we're gonna create a safe space. We're gonna create a safe space for faith leaders to come and retreat with us for three, three intensive days. Um, uh, we're planning for it to be in Santa Barbara uh, at this magnificent retreat center. And uh, in fact, I leave for Atlanta next week where we'll dive into some more planning on it. Uh, but that's coming soon, Camp Courage. And we're gonna break it down. We're gonna break it down legally. We're going to articulate it from the perspective of our, our faith, uh, um, 
faith values, how those values are what we're really lifting up. Mm -hmm. um, um, we're going to talk about things that you need to avoid, you know, and talk about things you may want to lean into and help people have a, a philosophical and a theological understanding about why they engage. We all love Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but he was not just Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he was Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and he was operating from a theological and a philosophical viewpoint, and he was not a politician. None of, no one, none of us would name him a politician. We, we would say he was a prophet. We would say, you know, he was a spiritual and moral voice of our nation, but we wouldn't call him a politician. <clears throat> and so something worked about how he was being, something worked about what he knew, and, and we'll, we'll be able to share a lot of those things. We'll also open people's eyes to the vast networks that exist within the country that uh, faith communities like ours uh, can take advantage of and so that when you're stepping out there, you're not stepping out uh, alone and unsupported and, and without professionals who know what they're doing, community organizers, et cetera, who, who live this work all the time. So um, we'll, we'll, we, we're gonna unpack it though. We're gonna unpack and we're gonna start with 75 leaders uh, so that we can really break some things down and get a little intimate with, with this work because we find that there is a demand, there is a desire, uh, uh, but we just don't know. We, we, we just don't know. And so I think that's fair. I think that's fair, but let's, let's help people to know. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Now, I know Raymond has some additional questions for you, and I will dive into that, but I have got to ask the question on my mind, and that is, you know, I want to be more spiritually and socially active, okay? Mm -hmm. I, but I'm a shy guy. I really am in a lot of ways. How can I step up? What can I, as, a, as an individual, do to step up to, to make my presence uh, helpful to all the kinds of movements of social justice that you're talking about. What can I, as an individual, do? Okay, so let's start with you, Jim. Um, you're a communicator. I would, if your personality is more introverted, I would, I would write op-eds. Okay. I would, I would, I would write. I would write op opinion pieces and present them to large media outlets, uh, newspapers that that. Um, would welcome your perspective and that would allow you to have some influence in sharing your ideas in a way that's more congruent with the kind of personality that you are you know for everybody it's not everything for some it's it's finding your local you know um let's say uh aclu and and licking stamps and folding um pieces of paper you know for some it's it's um a for those that do march and protest, it's, it's being allies on a demonstration and you're, you're just offering bottles of water for those that are, are demonstrating. So there are ways to be active in social change that doesn't necessarily place you on the front lines. Um, in fact, it's not recommended for everyone to be on the front lines because um, that kind of exposure brings about tremendous risk for you. And, and you have to be prepared and trained and understand what it is you're doing. Um, 
uh, in not long ago, in fact, in almost every arena that I've been in, um, in, in, in terms of the heat of it, these real tight ones, we are consciously risking arrest. So we know that part of what may be involved might be getting arrested. And in one scenario, I was arrested um, in, in, in pursuit of uh, justice for Stefan Clark. So there are, different, there are different avenues that can match your interest, your passion, your gifts, and it doesn't have to look like what I'm doing. It doesn't have to look like what the next person is doing, but it, 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 can, it can be a tremendous help and support. You have no idea what relief it is to having participated in a march or a demonstration for hours and somebody hands you a cold bottle of water. It, 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 it's just, it, we call that the ministry of presence. Oh, I like it's, that. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's just the ministry of presence. Your presence was there. You created a safe space. Some people are, um, are um, they serve as security in these settings. They just, I'm willing to, you know, uh, make certain that people are safe in, in, in these arenas, if it's a public kind of thing. The other thing is to be very thoughtful in writing your, your congressmen, your senators, your elected officials, and holding them to task. Going to city council meetings and when, when issues are brought up before your city council and your local government, um, being one of the people who steps up and speaks for two minutes on the issue. I mean, these, there, there are many ways because all of this is complex. Um, but more and more, we're finding how to get in our right lane um, and, and, and without comparing yourself to anyone else. Well, this is so important right now, especially. There's so much going on. There's so much social justice that's needed. Thank you for, you know, being a leader in, in, in doing this, especially from, you know, the philosophy that we come from, the new thought philosophy. <coughs> sure. So slight uh, segue into your role with AGNT and just as an individual and as a collective AGNT as an organization, what is the driving force per se? Like what, because it's several leaders from several different New Thought traditions come mm -hmm. together where I know many people say, oh yeah, I don't do unity because, or oh, I don't do CSL because, whatever you all have come together for a collective vision and mission and purpose. Can you speak to that? Yeah, uh, we're so over the division. We're just, <laughs> we're, so we're those folks who really recognize that it is the height of pettiness. It is the height of pettiness to even concentrate on the differences in our, our teachings if we're not celebrating those differences, right? So that, that to, just, to just start right there. And that's universally across the board. We're so interested, we're so interested in being a beneficial presence on the planet right now as a collective and recognizing that our window, our window as uh, uh, people in this new thought movement, our window is, is closing. It's not broadening, it's, it's we have a window in which we can lean in and appear right now. And everything 
that we are witnessing in this world is it's, it's a literal call out. I dare you all to show up with your unity message and your, your CSL, you know, universal love. And one, this is the time to show up. And so we, we look at it that way. And so a big part of what AG&T seeks to do is to equip leaders to be able to appear uh, with our teaching, with our, um, with our philosophy. Um, and so you'll find that AG&T is doing rallies across the country at, at different centers um, where we are lifting up various issues related to our guiding institutions and uh, related to social issues, including the environment, including gun violence, including um, LGBTQ issues, including um, um, border issues, and etc. Et you know, uh, we're we're speaking into those things as a collective, and then we're we we do workshops and seminars and and, and retreats, etc. To get people, you know, equipped to be able to to move. We put together um, toolkits and and resources that people can model after in their own communities and adjust. Uh, the season for nonviolence was one of those, you know, examples that was very successful through ag and And so that's, that's, that's our intention right now. How do we equip more leaders? How do we enlarge the conversation? And how do we uh, lean into this very unique moment that seems to have our names written all over it and in, encourage and inspire more people to become active? and be a beneficial presence on the planet right now. Now, your experience with the Parliament of World's Religions, just to shift focus a little bit, what has, what's your feeling? How, how does the New Thought presence connect with, with that? How, are, how is New Thought seen in the greater picture? Um, we are having a growing footprint on the Parliament of the World's Religions. You know, uh, two parliaments ago, New Thought was actually named a world religion, you know, so that is, that is an official thing. But uh, uh, Parliament of the World's Religions and, and New Thought goes back to the 1800s when Charles Fillmore attended the first one, you know, so he was there in Chicago at the very first one. And so we've always had a, a, a relationship with the Parliament of the World's Religions. Uh, I think the ones that I've attended, I have, I've seen the world speaking our language. That's what I've witnessed. And I've seen us be most conversant with and open to the other faith traditions from around the world. Um, and more at ease in being in relationship. But what I've observed from us as well as the parliament is that the things that we're talking about and challenging and dealing with uh, locally here in the United States, these same issues are being discussed globally um, around the world and through the lens of social justice, spiritual activism, et cetera. And so I've seen our New Thought uh, community grow in that sense, some of our speakers being uh, giving presentations, more and more of us are giving presentations at the parliament um, and asked to be involved on the board, et cetera. So I'm, I'm seeing us having a growing footprint, but we have been named a um, world religion by the parliament of world religions for whatever good that does. Interesting, interesting. Um, let me ask you another thing, and that is, 
this is kind of a generalization, but I'm just curious from your perspective, how you, as someone who doesn't know about new thought, how would you describe new thought and also unity as, as fitting into the world scene? What is, what is your take on it? What would you tell someone who doesn't know anything about it? Oh, that's a big question. I know. <laughs> Put it all in a, th in a, uh, you know, thimble. I know. When we think about, I think new thought gets in the way, quite honestly. The term itself is, is so in the way of what we're up to. And so um, I think that when we're, we're talking about um, new thought, we're talking about alternative ways to interpret your spiritual journey. Did you know that there are other ways to interpret being spiritual with, without all of the dogma without all the drama, without all the dress codes, you know, that, that sort of thing, to really give people um, a more contemporary way of having a spiritual experience and being a spiritual person without feeling all of the, the constrictions and the restrictions and the hypocrisy. So there's, there's, there's a way that I go about approaching that. And then I talk about unity as being... Um, uh, the continuation of this conversation of beloved community. This is, this is a spiritual community that is, is open to you no matter who you are, where you're from, no matter who you love or how you vote. When you're with us, you're at home. We're a soft place to land, a place to heal, a space to grow. Um, and a positive path for spiritual living and all of that. And, and people tend to resonate with, with that, you know? And, and also more and more, I'm finding that when we are speaking to what people are living on a daily basis, what people are going through, we are a space, a safe space where solutions are incubated for our world and our planet. And, um, and you can be a part of that. You know, people can, you can take part of that, you know, uh, but, but, a lot of, I find that every faith tradition has a language and that language creates insiders and outsiders. And I think we don't have to abandon our language, but I do think we may need to abridge our language if we want to create more insiders. And the term new thought itself has a way of um, creating outsiders. Hmm. So it's, it's something I'm constantly working on myself. So I don't have a definitive answer, but that's how I go about discussing it. Awesome, awesome. So if I may, I wanna just backtrack for a hot second because you mentioned Camp Courage and uh, inviting 75 you know, leaders, but I also wanted to mention the uh, social uplift ministry as a resource through AGP. Yeah. And if you could just you know, share exactly what that is, for those who you know can log in, the the social uplift ministry um, resource toolkit is just it's a primer. It's a it's a primer uh, that helps number one uh, faith leaders and faith communities, our spiritual communities, to be able to maybe interpret some of these important issues through a new thought lens. First and foremost, how are we looking at 
gun safety in our country through a new thought lens? How, how can we discuss that? Can we process this in our community? So it's a way to have some, some small group discussion and, and, and look at how we look at things through the lens. How are we looking at race through a new thought lens? Um, how are we looking at the environment through a new thought lens? So it's, it's, it's packets, it's um, toolkits that can be facilitated almost by anybody, along with videos that we've prepared to kind of help a community to walk through uh, many of the issues that influence our guiding institutions in our society right now through a new thought lens. Mm -hmm. Reverend Kev, um, how can people follow you, get in touch with you? Do you have a website or uh, Facebook? Uh, yes. Um, Certainly people can find me every week at Unity of Sacramento at unityofsacramento.com. Uh, people who are listening through uh, Unity Online Radio, you can find my old show there, Design Your Life, uh, at unity.fm forward slash design your life. And you can hear all of the old podcasts of some of the interviews that I've done, kind of classic uh, programming. I'm on Facebook at Kevin Cottrell Ross 7 at Twitter at RevKev K, R-E-V-K-E-V-K, K-E-V-K, RevKev K, and uh, on Instagram at DesignerLife7, Instagram at DesignerLife7. Reverend Kev, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you on. Hey, it's been great. Thanks for the surprise uh, and having me be with you. You guys are doing great work. And you had good questions. I, I, felt, I felt challenged today. <laughs> well, for more information on Raymont, you can go to RaymontAnderson.com. I've also got some premium video courses from amazing instructors, instructors talking about spirituality, creativity, and motivation on my website at youthrivehere.com. And uh, everybody, thank you for joining us. It's been wonderful to talk, to, talk with you. And uh, we'll be back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.